0: Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plates you pay to pay control. trolls. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Succinize and do their lies and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt to grab a shovel and uh, I don't think that it comes as a surprise to anyone uh, that computer security and cryptography are two extremely important and well related topics these days. Uh, after the crypto wars of the 1990s, it seemed uh like there was general agreement on the importance and value of encryption and more and more good uses of encryption including uh for things like encrypting your web traffic it started to become uh pretty common in the past few years uh these days it's also just much more common for websites themselves to be encrypted using https uh and i still take pride in the fact that TechDirt was Uh, I believe the first news site that I know of to switch fully to HTTPS uh, many years ago. Um, But in the last few years, uh, many of the battles over encryption and computer security have moved away from the technology world and into the policy world. Uh, For example, we're now facing what some are calling the new crypto wars, uh, with some in law enforcement complaining about encrypted devices and demanding backdoors, magic golden keys, or whatever other silly concept they come up with to avoid the fundamental issue, which is that they want companies to break encryption under the false belief that it can be broken in a manner that will just allow the good guys to get access to the data. Uh, Someone who has been at the very forefront of many of these issues is John Callis. Uh, He lived through the first round of the (laughs) crypto wars as the co-founder and CTO of PGP Corporation uh, and also held the same uh, co-founder and CTO roles at Silent Circle and its related company Blackphone, focused on building a truly secure Android phone. Uh, for the past few years, he's been a senior security guru at Apple, uh, which I believe is the third time he's worked at that particular company, focused on leading a team of internal hackers who try to break into Apple's products, which sounds like kind of a fun job. Um, Apple has uh, certainly a very strong reputation for keeping its uh, devices very, very secure, and John is a part of the reason for that. Uh, However, a couple months ago, uh, John left Apple to take a new job at the ACLU as a technology fellow where he's uh, working more on the policy side of these questions regarding encryption and government surveillance and related topics. Um, I've been lucky to know john for a few years now and uh if you happen to have purchased our cia card game there's a little easter egg in there that john helped us design so uh, thanks to him for that and um, if you have the games you go try and hunt that down uh but i wanted to have him on the podcast to talk about his new job uh and the related issues around computer security these days and how it interacts with policy so john welcome to the show
1: thank you very much it's good to be here
0: Sure. Um, So we'll start with the obvious question, which um, I know that you've been asked a million times, and I'm going to be the million and first uh, person to ask it. Um, So hopefully you've had lots of practice uh, answering this one, which is, you know... uh, you know, you probably had what was a pretty fun job of trying to break into Apple devices on Apple's own dime. Uh, and you left to deal with policymakers, which, uh, as we both know, can be one of the most frustrating things in the world. Uh, why? <laughs>
1: well, it's, it started with
0: a friend of mine
1: mentioning that the ACLU had this technology fellowship open. And they said, you know, you'd be perfect for that. Uh-huh. And I discussed it with a couple of other friends, and they said, oh, yeah, you'd be great at this. And I discussed it with my partner, and we said, you know, this is the sort of thing of of a change that we would make. It, you know, does it fit into our life and budgets and other things? And we decided that, "Why yes, we had to do it because, um, <laughs> you know, it's... When I got to Apple in 2016, it was before the 2016 elections, Mm -hmm. and none of us expected what would follow on from there. Yeah. And a number of other decisions. When I talked to my new boss, Ben Weisner, and my colleague, Jennifer Granick, and DKG, Daniel Kahn Gilmore, we all discussed whether or not this would be a good thing, and I decided that the years of 2019 and 2020 would be better years to spend to doing a policy thing than oh you know 2021 and 2022 that there is a need for it now the world never does the world never gives you what you think you might want to do someday when you think it would be a good (laughs) idea so you know there's an awful lot of it of I recognized that there was a hot iron in front of me and figured that I ought to either strike it or decide that this is not something I'm going to do.
0: Right. Um, cool. So, um, well, what specifically are you working on or what do you expect to be working on going forward over the at least the next two years?
1: Well, half of the job is helping the lawyers with the cases that they're working on because mm. The ACLU as a national organization and fifty-three affiliates, there there are there are three of them here in California and others around. Um they work on various cases. They not only do FOIA's lawsuits, but also um part of policy is figuring out what you want laws to be and offering opinions on that. So um I have been phrasing it as there's dealing with the world as it is and then dealing with the world as you would like it to be. So part of it is that when when the government is doing things, when law is doing things, there ought to be due process. All of the rules ought to be followed. And then there's the secondary conversation of what do we want society to be? And each of those goes into a number of things. Um, the other half of it is pretty much what what I am pursuing myself, and I'm getting my my feet on the ground with that. I've decided that the umbrella that I'm hanging things on is surveillance. Mm-hmm. That it is a reasonably broad topic. Where, for example, proposals for mandated backdoors on secure devices is a surveillance question. Yep. But location privacy is is a surveillance question dealing with indiscriminate use of machine learning algorithms like you know setting up face detectors here there everywhere that's also a surveillance issue many of these things are intimately tied into um, interesting technology and in a lot of cases there is there is the secondary question of what's the appropriate use because People who are doing these, you know, this, this is one of those things that always ends up being is that the reasons that, that that people want to do something are usually very good reasons, but there's the process and follow-on effects that we also have to look at as well.
0: Right. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's such a broad topic these days because, I mean, almost... You know there are so many different um technology issues that that all sort of feed back in, into the surveillance question and and there um and it's one that i think is is really challenging do do you think that um and, and the answer could be all of the above but like do you think that that your role is going to be more focused just on on you know sort of educating people about the technology and and what that means um versus um well, I guess – or, or, or I, part of my – sorry, there's all different ways I could go with this. But, you know, is it is it educating policymakers? Is it educating the companies themselves? Is it, um, you know, coming up with new ways of thinking about these things? What, what is the best way to – like we all know surveillance is an issue and we all know that, um, uh, you know, as, as the different technology companies and different technologies grow, that there are different challenges that are being presented. But one of the uh, the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is so many of the things that are now coming up that are, are suddenly being raised as potential surveillance issues are ones that weren't even, you know, weren't even on the radar um, just a little while ago concerning surveillance. So I'm, I'm just sort of trying to figure out, like, what is the, you know, how broad is your umbrella, basically?
1: I think that that, the first thing that you were saying, which is educating policymakers and others, is the primary thing that I'm doing. Okay. Um, there are other places where that ends up going. I mean, for example, DKG has been spending a lot of time in standards bodies, yeah. and I have not wanted to to end up with two of us on that but I have been working with the message layer security team. I went with them um, a couple of weeks ago in the Bay Area here. They had presentations at Real World Crypto and then had a working session the week after that. Because I've built messaging systems before. I know exactly what the problems are. It's a, it's a place where it would be really useful to have things that are going on So I don't want to spend a lot of my time on that, but this is a Mm -hmm. thing where it's like, ah, part of the I know how to help this and I can help make sure that it goes in a good direction and provide good input to it is a place where I can take a slight detour into that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, and even that, like if we explore that area a little bit, like messaging systems and things like that, right now we're – Dealing with, you know, there are questions around, um, you know, different security problems pop up here and there. And like, you know, Facebook is apparently now trying to merge sort of the three different messaging systems that they have between Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp. And a lot of people have already raised some questions about you know, how that would work. I mean, part of the, the pitch behind it is that it'll, you know, WhatsApp is end-to-end encrypted, but the other two are, well, I guess Facebook Messenger has some end-to-end encryption. I forget now. It has some. Yeah. Um, but there are questions about, like, whether or not that's, you know, how how you would, would do that. But that's, you know, that's a private company. Um, and and so you have all these different companies with different, their own sort of proprietary standards and then, you know, trying to integrate them versus, you know, other sort of standards that, that others might rely on whether proprietary or, or open standards. Um, you know, are, are you, do you think you'll be in a position to kind of like, you know, influence Facebook in terms of how it develops or how it goes forward or, or is that not the focus?
1: I would be, I would be happy to, you know, help them with it as much as I, I could, um, in, in some of these things, there, there's, there's broader questions. I mean, you know, for example, you know, take a look at, let's just take Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, when I use Facebook Messenger, it ends up being in something that is permanent and stored by Facebook. Right. End-to-end encryption would stop one level of surveillance because it would mean that um somebody who is merely surveying the the network traffic as it goes by are not going to get the contents of messages but they're going into a database that is essentially a permanent database so right. that's you know that's a limited thing and just making it be end-to-end encrypted by default certainly ratchets The total security forward, but you know it. It's also another consideration that these things are around forever, and things that are around forever that are conversations that context is important on. (laughs) Um, You know, we we, we've seen all sorts of things where you know it's like somebody gets criticized for their old tweets, and i know cases where a tweet blew up into a small storm of people having opinions and the reality was that this person and that person who are friends decide to rib each other and yep. you know and sort of snicker a little bit and the people who are getting outraged have a certain amount of it because they were being intentionally pr- provocative and when you're being provocative and then you provoke someone you kind of <laughs> did what you were <laughs> intending. Yep. But it was also two people who are having kind of like a loud conversation in a restaurant to see what what everybody else's response is going to be. And it's both it's both more and less than what it appears on the surface. Yeah. Um and similarly I think it would be great to have an integrated system where where Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp are all using the same infrastructure underneath. And if they tiered it in such a way that they integrated both WhatsApp and say Facebook Messenger, I mean I have I have WhatsApp on my phone. But the I haven't used it in years because I used it when I worked a lot with people who were in Europe. Mm-hmm. And coming back to the U.S., we tend to not use WhatsApp. Um, and having a tiered thing where you knew that that, say, WhatsApp is securely encrypted and only stored on the devices of you and the person you're talking to or people you're talking to. And then you have Facebook Messenger, which is like Facebook Messenger has always been, but it's secure network transport, but essentially a permanent database that has lower overall security, but it's certainly better than it is now. Mm-hmm. And if, and similarly with Instagram, if what you're doing on Instagram is protected with some sort of network transport security that 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 seems to be a really good thing even though there are questions that follow on from that of okay so what happens to this when it finally it's hits a server computer and gets put into my Instagram timeline and stories and everything else
0: yeah yeah, I mean, and it's interesting too and and this is this is potentially a sort of related to a policy issue um is that you know, the general public I think clearly doesn't understand, you know, the the details and nuances of this and sometimes it plays out in in weird and interesting ways, you know, in particular where people know that like, you know, WhatsApp has this end-to-end encryption, which is known, but people don't necessarily know what that means. And you hear stories where people will use it, assuming that that somehow, you know makes those conversations completely private and as we've seen in in some cases with potentially some of the the uh, many people in the president's orbit (laughs) who have been indicted or or uh arrested for for different things where they they thought certain conversations were uh pri completely private and secret and that law enforcement would not get access to the to it and yet they you know they eventually did not realizing that you know uh getting access to the device will often give you access to those conversations and, and other things like that. I do wonder, you know, there are all these different levels of, of, you know, protection and secrecy, some of which you were just discussing, where it's, you know, whether it's encrypted in transit or, you know, the uh, at rest on the device, the, the average person, and even maybe a, a significant number of te- technologically savvy folks probably don't fully comprehend all the differences. Um, Are you concerned that 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 alone leads to maybe people feeling safer or more protected than they really are?
1: I think it's certainly a legitimate concern. Um, From my point of view as someone who, in general, believes in free speech, part of my concern with building things on my own has been that we particularly in in this country defend more than anybody else in the world what people say particularly in public. Yeah. And yet we have the fewest protections on things that we say in private. Yeah. That it it was at one time when if you wanted to talk to somebody, you know, you could go to a crowded restaurant, walk around the park, and have a reasonably secure conversation. But if I'm working with people sitting here in San Francisco and they're in New York, um, how do we effectively make it so that we can do an equivalent of go into a conference room and close the door?
0: Yeah.
1: And that's been my major concern in developing these is that We no longer are in a world where people tend to only visit each other in person. The Internet has permitted us to carry on reasonably intense relationships with other people and have them be at a distance. Um, It isn't completely new. I've been I've been reading a lot of history and one of the things that I have been reading was a biography of James Madison and it's been very interesting to to in that book have it noted that you know in a conversation that that a couple of our founders had they wrote in code dot 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 and I read that and an eyebrow goes up and I go oh really <laughs> And there were a lot of times when they would they would write in their letters in code, and mm. there were a couple of times when they wrote in code. This is too private to put down on paper; it could be intercepted. So I'm going just going to have to tell you about it the next time we meet.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: So these things are not new. Yeah. I mean, you know we have we have been dealing with this forever, and. Um, how we set up these spaces where we can commonly collaborate with other people and get the level of privacy that we ought to have, even though we're connected by a voice link across 2,000
0: miles. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I think always comes up in, in these conversations and, and debates is, you know, I think if if you go back whatever 20 50 years and you talk about sort of like the dystopian predictions of the future um so much of it was focused on specifically you know the government building systems to 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 spy on people whereas today we have this this situation where um, you know, companies are building products that actually are quite useful and that people like and that people are using, whether it's cell phones or the various home devices or, or whatever, which have, you know, really strong consumer appeal. Um, and yet they're creating these sort of, you know, uh, avenues for governments or potentially, you know, more malicious uh, folks to to conduct surveillance of some sort or another. Um, do you have concern over sort of how that's played out?
1: I, I think that's the big thing that is, that is facing us. And part of the reason why I'm doing this for right now, there are a lot of things that are going to have to be handled through policy discussions rather than through technical ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started saying a number of years ago. I mean, I I remember when I was with Carl Ellison, and he was working on an essay and had been saying where he was saying is little brother, by which he meant corporations and and other other organizations. Are they a bigger threat than Big Brother? Mm-hmm. And I think that. Presently, we feel that perhaps that is true. Um, I'm always wary of some sort of moral panic because a thing that we humans do is that we worry a lot about fears that are new or unusual and we accept ones that are usual and we can't do (laughs) anything about which is why i i have at times literally heard someone say you know i'm really worried about flying on airplanes and safety of all of that and that's why i'm just going to ride my motorcycle
0: <laughs> right which is a perfect example of that
1: and you know that that you know we we know that air travel is like the safest thing there is yeah And we know that motorcycles are unsafe compared to other things, right? but we're used to that. And in particular, if you are someone who regularly rides a motorcycle, it's a set of risks and threats that you deal with all the time. And you already have your own countermeasures and everything else. Yep. Whereas you know, one thing with with particularly with like air travel is it's all out of your control. I mean, yeah, you know, I
0: mean, I think that's that's part of the big difference. In one case, you're in control, uh, and the other, you're not. Even if the risk and the probability of something catastrophic happening um, is much higher, in part because you're in control <laughs> in one of them and not and, in the other. And um,
1: and you know, we we overestimate that. Yeah, um, totally. Um, it is. It is a common thing that when safe driving is taught for other things is that you're taught watch out for the other person. Yeah. You know, it is, Is yes, we all know that you're good, but you're going to be <laughs> on the road with people who are idiots. <laughs>
0: right. Everyone on the road is an idiot but you, yeah. So um, I think we do have a certain amount of moral
1: panic that's going on. Yeah. I think that there is plenty of legitimate concern and i think that there is a good deal of rethinking the way that people do things is that is going to have to happen that that who has access to what sort of data is is a huge question i mean you know we need to have a policy Decision, by which I mean, you know, some law or regulation that is going to outline things like if law enforcement is not allowed to collect certain information, they shouldn't be allowed to just buy it from an ad network anyway. Right. And we need to have rules in place for who things get sold to, under what circumstances, and so on. Um. I think that some of the backlash that is coming comes in the form of GDPR. Mm -hmm. Um, A few years ago, I spent a lot of time in Europe with both PGP and Silent Circle. And I gave a speech in Berlin at Humboldt University on... It was Facebook, Google, and the state. And one of the things that i said in that was that that particularly for europeans they feel more outside than we do because it's not it's not even their country or culture and if you're looking at what's going on with with tech surveillance of services it's it's outside of your country it's outside of the eu it's even pretty much centered on two small areas of the west coast of the united states you know you're dealing with with things that are in the greater san francisco area and the greater seattle area and you didn't vote for these people you have no right. control over them so why wouldn't you appeal to the people that you do vote for
0: yeah.
1: and and my speech was saying that if we don't pay attention to what they're going to what their concerns are they will do that because there are a lot of people who voted for Angela Merkel and did not vote for Zuck or Sergey or any of these other people and so right. we're seeing them appeal through their democratically elected institutions their their feelings about what's going on is being is being expressed in that
0: yeah I mean, to some extent, you could argue it's similar to the the airplane and the motorcycle in terms of one you have control over uh, and, and one you don't and but even where you do have control, it could in many ways be the riskier solution um, Yes and, and, uh, yeah.
1: and they also they also have different viewpoints. Yep. Um, here in the u s we have sort of a collective knee-jerk mistrust. Of government and a knee-jerk shrug towards industry Mm -hmm. and they have the exact opposite which is their knee-jerk mistrust goes towards industry and their tendency to let things go and and see what happens is a benefit of the doubt that they give to government so they're looking at things in a completely different way yeah Um, I, I personally like GDPR. It mm-hmm. is obviously not perfect, and you know here, where we are dealing with the companies that will be affected by it, we tend to hear only the rough edges, and of course there are rough edges, but there are also lots of really good ideas in it, and a bunch of companies have said that what they're just going to do is they're going to say fine, we're you know it's cheaper for us to have one set of privacy rules, so we're going to have g d p r for everyone
0: right yeah and, and and I definitely see that though i mean I, I, and I've certainly been one highlighting a lot of the rough edges <laughs> um and uh you know one of the the crazier things is you know i've been pointing out a number of examples of sort of ridiculous situations that have come out, come about because of the GDPR. Um, And it's not, it's, it's not intended to be a wholesale criticism of the entire law, which I agree has some, some, you know, perfectly reasonable points, but to highlight, you know, sort of the, that these things do have consequences and, and many of which people did try and warn the EU regulators about beforehand and we were sort of brushed off and, and, ignored um you know i i would prefer a situation that actually took into account the, you know some of the negative consequences of, of of how these things were set up and and even to the side of that you know i wrote recently about there was a whole bunch of um, a whole series of complaints that were filed against basically all of the big companies under gdpr um uh concerning all the different streaming operations so apple music netflix youtube spotify soundcloud all of them got hit with uh, gdpr complaints and part of my reaction to that was like those are the biggest companies that have spent years and and probably billions of dollars preparing for this and trying to to match the rules and they're still being accused of, of violating the gdpr and if they can't get their own act together um, you know what does that say for for the smaller companies out there um, who certainly don't have the ability to do all of that? Uh, and so I, I I I understand the intent behind the GDPR. I just find the implementation to be kind of a mess. <laughs>
1: oh, I, and and I'm not going to say it's not a mess. Yeah. I mean, t- to me, it is a mess that we need to get through. Sure. Because it is it 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 is a direction that we ought to go um you know their view of our comments is going to be similar to um a, a european comments to us regulations sure
0: yeah yeah well, my like... my favorite uh, my favorite response was you know i pointed out i forget which exact story it was but i pointed out you know an example of gdpr being used to to censor um, news articles and, and get them pulled down under the right to be forgotten that's in GDPR. And the response I got from, from European GDPR supporters was basically like, well, you know, clearly everyone involved here is reading the law wrong. And it's like, well, that's great <laughs> in theory, but the reality <laughs> is that this is actually getting content censored, like news content censored. That should be seen as a problem. Whether Mm -hmm. or not people are reading the law wrong, like, what can we do to fix it? And there doesn't seem to be any interest. The interest, you know, the response is, well, they should read the law properly. (laughs) And and so, you know, I have concerns about, and this is probably just the nature of sort of regulation and lawmaking, um, how little of it you know, it's sort of you know. We're, well, we're going to pass this law to fix this problem. We pass the law, the problem must be fixed, as opposed to like continually checking in and iterating and sort of um, dealing with the the consequences that that are you know whether intended or not are are not so great.
1: Yes, and that's that's the painful process that comes from from. um any sort of law and regulation that the interpretations of it take time and pain and nobody wants to be the test case. You know, you never want yeah. to be the test case. <laughs> because it, because even if you win, it's no fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though, no, I mean it should be stated that the organization you now work for sort of, sort of specializes in in finding Mm -hmm. the good test cases. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, you know, but it is, it is this interesting thing where we do sort of rely on, on, you know, public interest groups and civil society groups like that to find those, those important test cases. Um, And that may not be the most efficient uh, system for, for setting up, you know, uh, sane policy. There's,
1: there's also a matter of how a company sets itself up with its own internal goals.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, Facebook pretty obviously has been after maximum growth, maximum revenue. Yeah. Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. And other companies have been reasonably more circumspect. Uh, you know, I perceive Google as a company that is not comfortable with the fact that it is a huge ad company at its core and that the revenue that drives everything else is advertising revenue and not the interesting technology that they do. Yeah. Um, and they have their own sets of internal contradictions that they they navigate as they do. And, you know, you and I will both broadly disagree with some things, but I, I view them as being reasonably thoughtful even when I would strongly disagree with my fist pounding on the table. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and there are other companies that are down the scale going more and more towards privacy. I mean, you know, Amazon is, is is a merchant and aggregator, and I tend to trust them with my data more than I would trust most companies. But I know that there may be some funny things in there. But again, also, I mean, you know, we, we know people who work there. We know what they've put in place. Um, I, they you know it it deserves thought on it,
0: yeah
1: um, Apple is hardly perfect, but they 've been quite vocal in designing things in such a way that they maximize privacy yeah, so from our point of view, I think that we want to encourage people to operate more and more privacy friendly and have the big stick of government and enforce things but we also know and i mean you know i've seen you writing things where lots of privacy friendly things are also business friendly things and companies yep. should be doing things that are in both their their customers and their own best interests and sometimes we just wake them up
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean aligning incentives is always sort of an interesting challenge um you know and and you know the fact is that with all these different things and the the different you know incentives all come with different trade-offs um and i think sometimes it's pretty difficult to view all of the different trade-offs um and it's you know one of the things i've especially lately as as um unfortunately you know i think a lot of the you know the, just the general narrative has has um swept away a lot of reasonable <laughs> of viewpoints um you know there are people who just believe that um all of the companies are are just you know are are sort of purely evil <laughs> uh as opposed to necessarily understanding the incentives and i think you know there are a lot of things that i am very vocal about uh, that i think companies do wrong and i think they they make the wrong choices for the wrong reasons um but i i tend to believe that they they have their reasons for doing so and they are not uh just um you know, uh, sort of cartoonishly evil, uh, but you know sometimes it's hard to get that across to people. Yeah,
1: yeah, and there are all sorts of things where not only are the incentives crossed, but the desires are crossed. Yeah. Um, I've been interested and worked on secure devices for some time now. It wasn't that long ago when it was a rule of thumb of security that if somebody had physical access to a device all bets were off right you know it was just game over if they have their hands on it you can't do anything about it well if you look at where apple is going with ios where google is going with the pixels and and android today the problem of you can make a very sophisticated device, put it directly in the hands of your adversary, and have some confidence that it is going to come back intact, it's substantially better than we ever thought it would be. In a lot of cases, even though it's not perfect, um, it requires the effort of a nation state to be able to break some of this security, which means that 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 we're in a really interesting place, but it also means that there are other things that we would like to have. I mean, it's like I, I'm a big fan of right to repair. Yep. But I also know that that um, some companies, like like the Geek Squad at Best Buy, had FBI informants in it that would look at your computer yep. and look look for <laughs> contraband. So, um, you know, there is, there is also the right to repair is sort of also the right to the evil (laughs) maid. Yeah. And, and making, making an electronic device do what I want when I want (laughs) and also be, and also telling me, no, you don't really want that. (laughs) Yeah. you know this is this is a difficult thing, regardless, and where we're looking at the the um, the effects of this one way or another. I mean, you know, if you have a secure device that is secure against any sort of theft or capture, it's also a great device for DRM. Yep. And you know, it's like I, 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 I will pick I will pick security and DRM over lack of security and everything else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But uh,
1: but I also think that you know we ha- we're having two separate classes of devices. It's really easy now to go out and buy devices that is everything from an Arduino to Raspberry Pis, etc., where you will have completely open configurable tweakable machines that you can do anything you want with and it's it's you know the opportunities are incredible and I want to have that and I also want to have the device that is going to um be the 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 strict arbiter of a whole bunch of things and that I may not be able to get into kernel mode on it. And that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I mean As with all these things, there there are lots of trade offs um, that I I, it's you know it's difficult to even think through all of them, even for people who focus on this stuff. Um, You sort of it's it's sort of tough to keep all those different things in mind. Um, So to I guess to sort of conclude this conversation, let's bring it back around to the whole um, because we we haven't really talked about it, but like the whole. fight that is still ongoing about back doors for law enforcement um because i know that like that keeps coming up and you have the fbi that sort of you know sort of keeps pushing it whatever they like was going dark for a while and then it was they were talking about responsible encryption which is a sort of funny term um and and then more recently we have the GCHQ has put forth their proposal, which they insist is not a backdoor, even though it certainly looks like a backdoor. Um, what's what's your take on on what's happening with all of of these discussions?
1: <laughs> Some of it is extraordinarily tiring. Yes, it, it really <laughs> is. The, the there is not anything in there that we haven't discussed over <laughs> twenty five years.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, that, that part is what is perhaps the most frustrating to me. Um, along with the sort of you know, nerd harder uh aspect of the discussion, which is anytime people point out the problems with all of these proposals, the response is basically like, you know, you smart guys in Silicon Valley, you can figure it out. Um, <laughs> which you know, it, it's you know, how do you respond to that?
1: <laughs> what? The, the, this is one of the things that I am working on now is is discussing what are all of the the consequences of this right. that the the difficulty in doing this is how do you make it work in a complex environment with these um, contradictory requirements that that would you you know you want it to work correctly and preserve people's privacy and you have to make it work with multiple governments I mean, you know it can't just be the US it can't just be the five eyes anglophone company countries it has to be the EU Japan China Russia India Um, all of these places are going to say, well, if that country gets it, then I ought to get it. And this brings us back to, well, are we going to be building things for security or are we going to be building them for surveillance? Right. The way that you would manage a policy system of how you would you know who has the right to be able to open up what device under what circumstances that's that's really where 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 the difficulty is and you know as you know as a tech person you end up with a little bit of code doing the actual thing that you wanted and then a whole lot of ui and a whole lot of experience and so on and so forth and usually the hard technical parts are actually easier than how do you express it in an understandable way and put the right UI on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um I'm I'm sort of hopeful that that at some point within my lifetime we can get past the, the same debates that we've we've had. So I'm 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 hopeful that you can figure out a good way to uh, well, I'm go- teach that I'm, to people i
1: 'm going to try because part of this gets down to what are really some basic philosophical and logical questions that 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 in discussing this with my colleagues we have been we've been looking at this and we get directly to so what makes a person a person and what is truly <laughs> you and what is inviolate you know you know what what is it that you ought to be able to Keep to yourself, and no one else gets to know. Yeah. So, um, and I and I think that a lot of what we're going to have to do is is go back to some of these questions of of what is there, um, the the differences that we have in in various countries and various areas where there are 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 differing rights, differing expectations. Are all about how we view the world, and very few of them about what the technology is. Yeah. So you know, we've gone to the point now where the hard questions are policy and political,
0: not technical. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. I mean, w- one of the arguments I've made a bunch too is like, I I, I almost feel like people don't even agree what privacy means. Um, and, and so we have these sort of weird debates about privacy when people are often talking about completely different things. Yes. Um, and, and I think that, that makes it difficult as well. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's tough to have a a sort of serious debate when, when people aren't even, you know, discussing the same thing where their definitions are different. Um, and um, you know, and it's funny too because, like, when when I sort of try and lock in on what do we mean, what are we talking about, are we concerned about, you know, specific kinds of data, and and what does that include, and and what are the sort of tradeoffs involved in it? Um, I mean, suddenly it, it creates these different kinds of arguments as well. And we're getting to a, we're getting to interesting things that
1: are happening. Particularly here in the u s where some old things are being reconsidered yeah. um, one of one of the things that just happened this week is the um biometric privacy law in Illinois, and their Supreme Court is letting a lawsuit go through, and it was a unanimous decision to let the lawsuit go through and and the question really is you know what harm was suffered yeah because it's you know it's an important legal principle that someone has to suffer some real harm and and saying no really somebody misused your data and that is real harm even though it was just data is an important shift in the way that as a yeah. society we are looking at things and i i find that incredibly Um, um, I, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see that, that we are, we are looking at it in such a way that you can say, you know, it's like you can be harmed by being forced to do something as simple as, you know, use a biometric entry into a place and not know where that data is going to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um yeah because you know for years there there have been these lawsuits that were basically challenging that and time after time you know courts were basically saying well there's no concrete harm from having your data uh you know leaked or breached or whatever um whereas this is this is a shift in, in a different direction um, and it'll be interesting too i mean related to that there was there was just a story um about uh um I guess a, a major apartment complex that is in, mm-hmm. putting in, you know, uh, you know biometric, um, you know, locks and and other systems in all of their apartments, and and some of the residents are complaining, but are basically being told like, you know, too bad, <laughs> you know, and, and but even but they're unable to answer the questions about, you know, what is happening with my data, and so you have all these questions about is that is that a privacy violation? Is it a um, you know, and, and, and what does that mean and who has control and all of these questions that I think are are big. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that particular lawsuit and, and, and the various other laws that are sort of popping up around and related to that. Um, so there's, there, there are a lot of these, these questions out there and I think uh, you will be kept very, very busy. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, is, it is going to be very interesting and you know this is going to be how this goes back into how you how you make a a system um and and what ought to be there i mean you know i found it very interesting where the ceo of visio says you know you know, hey, if we didn't have these TVs that were smart TVs and feeding yep. into the advertising thing, we'd have to charge you more. And, you know, my immediate reply is how much more I've got my wallet right here. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I and I mentioned this in a previous podcast. I I, I still don't think that they're actually making that much, uh, if anything, off of that, that data. But it's interesting that, that they would say so publicly that they were. Um, I give but... them
1: kudos for it. I mean, you, sure. know, you, know, we, you know, we can't have the discussion that's going on because, you know, what you really, if the message that we want to give to, say, Vizio is that there's a whole bunch of us who would be willing to pay more money for a TV that has less in it. Yeah. You know, if you, if you basically gave me something that is little more than just a monitor, that I would even be willing to pay more for that. And, you know, and if we knew what was going on, because you would say, you know, why is the smart TV cheaper? And if the answer is, well, the reason it's cheaper is because we're going to be monetizing your data, you can make an informed decision. Yeah. You you know, I I have a Kindle from Amazon and I intentionally bought the cheaper one with ads because I I, I like getting ads about books.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. It's it's there's value to. It. Yeah. And
1: you know, yes, and you know, and and letting my bookseller show me ads about books does not seem to me to be terribly intrusive.
0: Right. Right.
1: If they if they were handing it then to oh, you know, um um a social credit score company that was going to decide what sort of person I was <laughs> based upon what's in my library, I would yep. then I would then be concerned but this is also, you know, this is a debate that we had decades ago as well. Yep. So so you know we can go back to these sorts of things.
0: Yeah. And I mean again it's just like it's another example of sort of, you know, the importance of understanding the trade-offs and and that requires transparency. And so, you know, and and some level of control, right? And so you know understanding what is actually being done with your data and giving you some say in that and sort of the options that you have i think is the most important thing or that's you know that's that's well that's the hill i'm I'm dying on, i think um and yeah. uh you know it, it's but it's it's one that I think is is a little bit more difficult for people to understand i mean it's one thing just to say like um you know, I think it's easy for some people to say, "Well, these companies should never have access to any data, and they should never do anything with it." I think that's kind of an unrealistic standpoint. Um,
1: I think it's I think it's unrealistic, and it it also has the other side of it, which is forbidding me from being able to sell my data.
0: Yeah,
1: which which is you know, it seems like you it ought to be possible for someone to say you know yes i'd like to be part of this you know ages ago ages ago people who did that were even secrets i mean you know back in the old days of broadcast television nielsen families you know had to hide the fact that they were nielsen families
0: right yes i remember that but uh, but
1: you know i wouldn't you know it would be just as wrong to say you can't do what Nielsen did in the old days, as to say, "Oh yeah, sure, take all this data and do whatever you want with
0: it." <laughs> right. I mean, but it's interesting too. Like, and and I, I, we've been talking for a while, so I know we need to wrap this up. But but the, the, you know, just recently there was this uh, the story about um, Facebook and basically paying um, in some cases teenagers, but also uh, adults. Um, some money, like $20 in sort of coupons a month in order to get access to all the data on their phone, and people are sort of somewhat reasonably up in arms about it, but there is this sort of nagging voice in the back of my head that's just like, but that is kind of the thing that some people have said, which is like, if you're going to have access to my data, pay me for it, and here Facebook is doing that. They may not have been entirely transparent about how that data was being used, but you know, but people still get up in arms over that situation after a first complaint about like, oh, you know, Facebook is just you know hoovering up your data um, and not giving us anything, and here's a situation where they are paying for it and then still getting slammed for for their privacy practices. Um,
1: I I think that there are different questions between what you do and how you do it. Yeah, that in in the case of what they were doing with that VPN is that they were, in fact, looking at all of your traffic, Yeah. Um, apparently even cracking into your SSL yeah. data and <laughs> everything else, which yeah. they may not have been particularly transparent about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah I agree. So... so
0: also, the targeting teenagers part was not great. <laughs> which,
1: yeah, I mean, and but I also, you know, that could be done correctly.
0: Yes. Yeah. And
1: I don't know whether it was or not. I mean, obviously, if it wasn't, then I would certainly want to see, you know, the FTC and other people get involved in that. Yeah. But, But if we, you know, if we look at it the way that you are mentioning it, which is that should you be permitted to do it, well, let's get, you know, let's figure out what the ground rules are and what yep. is the sort of thing that is that is informed consent. Yeah. That in medical tests and other sorts of things, they have the notion of informed consent. Um You buy drugs and you get a very long sheet of paper with like all of the, you know, things, you know, things that could go wrong that only happen to a very small number of people, which is is at times extraordinarily nice to have, even though it's daunting to look at, particularly the first time. Right. You know, it's like um, I've had side effect issues with drugs that only like two percent of people had but knowing that this is a problem and you say huh i wonder if the reason i feel funny is that i'm getting this <laughs> and then you know to conduct the personal experiment is a good thing yeah and having discussions of what's going to be done with the data and what you're being paid for setting up those those rules of engagement to some is a place that we ought to be going to
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I I I think that's fair. Um but, you know, it would d- definitely take the discussion in potentially a different way than it's than it's been unfortunately. You know, it would be nice to have that that conversation. I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen some proposals for for privacy law. Um, you know, sort of the US is sort of discussing a GDPR equivalent. Um and some have even included provisions for requiring companies that collect data to offer a paid option. Um, and, you know, and I thought that was interesting, but I, I wonder about the unintended consequences of that kind of thing as well. Yes. You know, it's it's easy to say, like, okay, we'll just make sure that you have a paid option that doesn't, you know, spy on you, um, which, you know, if companies want to do that, I could see where there would be benefits, but requiring companies to do that, I, you know, I, I could see where there could be all sorts of issues. I mean... Um
1: I'm yeah I'm uncomfortable because I think that we have gained a lot in culture and society from a number of these things that we're still reasonably uncomfortable with. Yeah. And I'm I worry about reactions in both directions.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's fair um, you, know,
1: you know this you know you and i are alike in that we tend to squint at everybody and <laughs> like, you know like is that really what you wanted to do
0: <laughs> yeah 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 no it's it's interesting um but but uh I've, I've taken more of your time than I, I, I promised I would take. Uh, and this is an interesting conversation. I'm sure we could, we could continue it for, for probably another hour. We probably uh, could. <laughs> um, but so I, I appreciate you, t- you taking this particular hour, and um, I, w- I will probably try and get you on again at some point in the future so we well, can that would be great. this, this conversation because yeah. this was yeah, a lot that of would, fun.
1: That would be fantastic. And when I have new things to talk about, then, then that would be a really good opportunity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, over the next you know few months to, to year or so, you will will come across lots of interesting things in in this new role. And and uh, I'm I'm excited that you're here <laughs> doing this, and I'm excited to see what uh, what you end up working on over, well, over this time.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And um, and so thanks again, and thanks to everyone who's been listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, something else. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get to grab a shovel and dig up the cat. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get to grab a shovel and dig up the cat.